0: and welcome back to another episode. I'm Mike Levy and today on episode 121 we're going to talk about social media and mountain biking. The good, the bad, the strange and even the why. Now we're probably going to talk a lot of shit because it's definitely easy to do that about social media but there are also reasons why it could be a good thing. So we're going to try to look at the upsides of Facebooking and Instagram, TikTok and even Strava which is the best kind of social media but we're going to get to that in a little bit now i should also say right off the bat that i think we're going to sound like hypocrites at a couple points during today's show as we're going to be talking shit. but most of us use social media in one form or another and have probably posted something stupid at some point maybe even not all that long ago in the case of some of us and obviously Pinkbike has a monster social media presence that we also use, so we're going to get to that as well. But first, Kaz, I know that you post on Instagram hourly, but I didn't see the highlight reel of your one-hour ride this weekend, so I'm not sure if you went riding or if you just stayed inside. Did you ride this weekend, Kaz?
1: Yeah, it doesn't count if it's not on Instagram, right? Um, but yeah, no, I did go riding. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it was it was pouring heavily, so I tested some rain jacket or a rain, <laughs> rain jacket. I only wore one, but yeah, so I went riding in the rain. It was great. It was very very wet. Dude, it it's was so, so wet. wet I
0: think you need to wear two or three jackets. <laughs> I know
1: it's ridiculous. It's yeah, it's crazy how wet it was, but it was good. I did ride. Were you were you riding a test bike, Cass? Um, let's see. No, it's not not a test bike. It just had some test parts on it. Oh, what were you House testing? Has so many bikes, you can't
2: even keep track.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, no uh, <laughs> I'm testing some tires that are coming out really soon. They'll come out like a couple days after this podcast goes up, I think. um Yeah, some suspension, some other things, and that rain jacket. I wasn't kidding about the rain jacket. It's a super fancy rain jacket from Asos or ASOS. I'm not sure you said their name yet, but it's so cool. fancy, but it's actually like really that's, nice.
0: That's Swiss for expensive. <laughs> it's
1: it's, so cool. I it's the Lithuania. I rode with Cas in Lithuania the other week. Yeah. It looks like it's made Kaz of looks shark skin. It real good in it. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> How much is it, Kaz? How much does uh, that jacket cost? I think it's like $400 or something. Oh, Jesus yeah, Christ. It's a lot. Okay. But it's re- anyways, I'm, I am testing it in, in proper conditions, like potential downpours. So it's getting a full test. So I'll see if it's worth $400. So All far, right. it's actually really nice.
0: Well, everybody cannot wait to read that review of your $400 jacket, Kaz, I'm I sure. Know. Uh, there's four of us on today's show. Everyone was super keen to talk about social media, including Sarah Moore, who is hopefully going to balance out all of Casimir's negative social media energy that I'm expecting him to have today. <laughs> Sarah, what is your favorite Instagram account?
3: Okay, so I discovered this account recently. It's called uh, Loic, like Loic Bruni, but Loic. Superville, And basically, he makes fun of the English language and the French language all in one. So his... Like reels are basically like, hey, English guy talking to hey, French guy. And he like does both of these personalities and just like all these stupid things that we have in English, um, just like pointing them all out. Like why is do not pronounced the same way as thou pronounced the same way as tough? You know, like all these things that you're like, oh, you just, that's the way you pronounce it. But if you were coming at the English language from French or from a different language, you'd just be like so confused and so they're, they're actually like I laugh out loud watching some of them
0: that that sounds like a good use of social media yeah just like having fun and making fun of things yeah. right
3: and like actually making people laugh like I can be just like looking at my phone on my own laughing which is fun <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can
0: picture exactly that happening yeah, a lot actually <laughs> so it's just that field test in the corner just giggling yeah. looking at the phone all day long <laughs> we've also got Alicia Leggett here Alicia, have you ever been influenced by a social media influencer? Do you feel like you've been influenced?
2: I don't feel like I'm, you know, the most influenceable just because I don't follow a lot of true influencers. However, I think everything we look at kind of influences us to some extent. And like, I definitely, I follow people who post like really gnarly mountain adventures and kind of inspiring things. Like they influence me in ways that I think I want to be influencers say like someone who does like some epic ski day or like really gnarly bike ride or ride some cool trails or do some big flying thing and like those are the things I want to be influenced by so I try to like you know shape my feed to kind of reflect that yeah So yeah I think to some extent I am influenced by influencers
0: <laughs> you've you've never found yourself in the grocery store with like a basket full of things you don't need after looking at your phone and being served like all these ads and no
2: um not so much the ads I found myself in the grocery store with a basket full of things I don't need all the time
0: yeah <laughs> but that's just enough. like that's <laughs> got nothing to do with social media
2: yeah chocolate covered almonds don't mind right? if I do so good. oh yeah. look at this thing. <laughs>
0: All right, well, before we get into today's questions, I'm going to do an ad read. This one's from Mondraker. <clears throat> All right, here we go. This week's Pinkback.
2: Damn it. <laughs> this Pinkback podcast here.
0: <laughs> this week's Pinkback podcast is presented by Mondraker. Mondraker <laughs> still drives forward with the same passion as they did on day one. They continue to innovate, research, test, and experiment thinking outside the box, designing and manufacturing the bikes that riders want. The Rays is the much-anticipated, highly innovative trail bike from Mondraker, combining the best of cross-country with the best of enduro to create a bike without limits. It's their Trailmaster. The new range of Rays models also comes equipped with their exclusive Mind Telemetry, you could find more information at www.mondraker.com. That thing sounds like a downcountry bike, Kaz. I don't know what Mondraker's doing, but... Yeah, I think you should probably get one in. It's the, a bike without limits. Bike without limits. It sounds good. We did see that bike at Sea Otter, to be fair, and it did look like my kind of bike. Like, it's yeah. a 130 with a 150 fork and, and all that kind of stuff, and it yeah, pedals really well. So. Fun. Anyways, let's move on to questions. The first one is from Paulino Cascavel. He wants to know where the heck the Grim Donut is and will it be raced in an EWS or World Cup? I was hoping Brian would be here for this podcast so he could just explain where the Grim Donut is. We've been busy. um, Sea otter and some traveling and some other things, but it's going to happen. Brian put it in the Google Calendar, so now I have to get it done. It's coming up pretty soon, actually. So expect that video within the next month or two, I think, Kaz.
1: And we got some testing. We have more testing planned for it, too. I don't know if we... Need to reveal that yet. But yeah, it's gonna be in a, a group test soon.
2: it's in a meeting yesterday.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, shit. Yeah.
0: That's true. Uh-huh. We could we could actually tell people that. It's yeah. gonna be in um the new Grim Donut is going to be in the upcoming Enduro bike field test. So that's gonna go against a whole bunch of the latest Enduro bikes that we're gonna do in Bellingham. Uh the next question is from Upduro. Kaz, this one's for you. He says that he knows that you combined a fox fork with a Marzocchi fork uh, he wants to know if you've ever tried the Shigura brakes. You know, people when they mix and match the Magura calipers with the Shimano mm-hmm. top end, or maybe it's the other way around. Have you ever done that, Kaz?
1: No, I've never done that. Yeah, I know people do it. Um, yeah, I just haven't really had the chance or desire to do it. But yeah, it's fine. I think it's good to mix and match stuff when it when it makes sense. Um, yeah, it looks like he also goes on to to ask about other hacks that we did over the years. Like, I think all of us have experimented with like the uh, the SRAM axis drivetrain mixed or derailleur mixed with the XTR drivetrain. Or any Shimano drivetrain. That's the setup. Yeah, that works pretty well. Like just because you know, I think all of us would agree that the Shimano stuff shifts better under load, and then when you combine it with Axis, um, and that way both companies get a little bit mad at you and a little bit happy. So it's it's works out pretty well.
0: (laughs) Would you say that that's kind of our goal sometimes? (laughs) Just make everybody (laughs) just like slightly annoyed at all times, maybe. (laughs) Did you did you get any uh, when you did that Fox Merzuki fork? Did you get any feedback from companies where they were like, don't do that?
1: No, they didn't really say anything. They like, obviously I didn't ask them before doing it either, but I think, I mean, it's the same company, like Marzocchi and Fox, the same company So Yeah. If I was in their shoes, I'd be like, oh, well it's press, you know, like any press is good press. And those are products you'd have to buy, like to create that, you'd have to buy two forks instead of just one. So that's even better, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then kaz you posted photos of it on social
0: media you were influencing with influencing with your right. fox Occi fork exactly yeah so it that's how it works right i was an
1: influencer that day
0: okay kaz i got a bit of a follow-up question for you here um L- lepigan i don't Le pig know pen? this guy here
3: pigpen yeah
0: lepigpen oh lepigpen Le yeah pig i can pen. see that yeah, yeah. that guy <laughs> that sounds better when you guys say it like that. He wants to know what it's like to reach out to companies for reviews and not really get the response that you want. Um do they ever try to give you a different bike or do you ever have issues, you know, say you have an issue with a product and you reach out to a brand? Do you ever have any uh I don't know, negative feedback, I guess you could say, dealing with these brands that
1: uh, not really like luckily we're in a pretty like lucky position that we can get most bikes that we want to review you know most companies are excited that the press that they would get from having us review it so i wouldn't say it, it, it usually comes down more to availability um if just something's not there then then we just can't get it and it's, um so yeah it's more of an availability thing and i wouldn't say that we've had companies like try to give us something different like they'd you know hey we want the new demo well how about here's our epic instead like that doesn't really happen so um yeah i think it's overall I mean, they, it's, there's enough they stuff do send out there us too. fancy
0: bikes that we don't want
1: sometimes do to be fair yeah i mean sometimes initial launch like sometimes all you can get initially is that fancy bike like if a bike just launches sometimes the media bikes that they build up are the fanciest version so we want to be able to ride that bike you know in, in time for the embargo to lift so we end up with a fancy one then but um yeah overall though i'd say it's it's a pretty smooth-ish process you know sometimes it's just hard to get the bikes but there's so many companies out there like if company X doesn't have one for us, I'll just ask company Y for something to review. So yeah, I think it's, it works out most in most cases.
3: I'd say you almost have the opposite problem where all these people reach out to you and you don't have enough time to do all the reviews that people want you to do, or they want to send you their, you know, really great trail boxers or whatever.
1: (laughs) Right. Sometimes (laughs) there's that. Yeah. Like we get, yeah, it's more like product where they want to, they really, really want their product reviewed and something that's like, well, I don't have anybody to do like a, um a chamois shootout at this moment you know so there's, Cass, there's that. i'm right here you're looking right at me <laughs> got, i've got something for you we'll get you hooked up yeah <laughs> i actually do so i'll be talking after this <laughs> yeah you know,
0: if we go back far enough i reviewed a chocolate bar once on pink bike well it was an yeah. energy bar But yeah, and then you reviewed like a dog bowl and like a,
1: a leash you had a, a moment where you were like trying to a review. a phone case yeah <laughs> yeah you can, you can do those again but we'll non endemic <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: All right. Our next question is about my favorite topic, air pressure. Uh, Alicia, this one is going to be for you. NS Curb, he wants to know what he's doing wrong regarding tire pressure. He says that it seems like 90% of people run lower tire pressure than he does with a lighter weight tire casing. Um, Basically, he's saying he can't get away with anything less than a double down casing and 27 rear, 24 PSI front, even though he sees people running way less um, when he tries to do that, he gets flat tires and casings folding over. He doesn't say how much he weighs. So let's just assume that the people that he sees weigh around the same. Uh, what would you say to Ennis Curb, Alicia?
2: I mean, NS Curb, maybe you should just take the compliment and see that you're way gnarlier than your buddies or something. right? <laughs> but like, in seriousness, that doesn't seem out of line to me. I mean, I don't know how much you weigh. I don't know what kind of trails you're riding. I don't know what bike you're on. So there are a lot of variables here that would affect what tire pressure you want to run. But like as a go-to, I'm kind of in the 22-ish front, 24, 25-ish rear. So like two or three PSI lower than you. Um, And I weigh maybe like a little under 150. Um, And that feels pretty reasonable to me. So honestly, I don't think you're doing anything wrong. I think tire pressure is a super personal thing. And it just comes down to a lot of personal preferences, things like that. I don't think you have to beat yourself up about it for having different preferences than your buddies.
0: He could just be picking like absolutely terrible line choices, like, the you know? like you some line. people. But... Yeah, true.
2: That's yeah. totally I think the valid. fun line
0: choices. Sometimes they're rougher and pointier, but yeah. they're more fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, some t- people
2: take smooth lines. Some people take less smooth lines. Maybe you don't take smooth lines.
1: Or maybe, maybe he's on a press harder
2: into
3: bike and his friends. Yeah, are all could be on a downcountry bike.
2: <laughs> could be the type of rider that kind of presses the bike harder into compressions and just has a different riding style than someone who rides really lightly over everything. It it could come down to a lot of things.
1: And he might just live somewhere super rocky Kaz? too. Yeah, just because like we live here in the Pacific Northwest, and I can run twenty in the front, twenty two in the back on double downs and be fine. But is if that I what to you the normally desert,
0: run, Kaz? Uh huh. Yeah. oh wow yeah kaz is a smooth operator
1: and he weighs 140 pounds yeah i mean i weigh 160 (laughs) but like yeah if i'm on double downs 20 front 22 i can even go to 19 21 if i wanted to just because i mean most of the trails right now especially they're super soft there's like not that many rocks but if i did go somewhere if i go to a bike park or even the shore or like um you know back in the desert where we were recently like definitely run higher air pressure there so it's kind of terrain dependent yeah i don't Mm -hmm. think this guy's doing anything wrong especially since he said he already experimented like that's really what you have to do like, I've experimented with different mm-hmm. pressures and figured out that I don't really flat at these pressures. But if I was flatting, obviously more air is the first way to go and then try other things after that. Kaz, those are the pressures that I run with Exo Casing
0: 21 and like 23, 24, mm-hmm. right around there. It yeah. it, it completely, and I, I'm on a shorter travel bike, so I'm going probably slower than you on your big, huge free ride wheelie drop bike. <laughs> So then I can maybe get away with lower pressures. But also, NS Curb, you sound like the perfect candidate for some sort of tire insert, especially one that provides some support for the casing. Like the the Vittoria ones seem to fill up a lot of room in the tire and can provide a bunch of support for the casing as well. Um, So yeah, look at, I think inserts are dumb, but look at inserts maybe, you know?
2: I'd fully second that. I don't (laughs) think inserts are dumb. And like the Kushcore ones press out against the sidewall pretty well. Full disclosure, they're the only ones I've actually really spent real time on. Um, But with those, I can get away with a few PSI less, and that's, I think, a totally valid option if you're trying to run lower pressure and not ruin your
0: rooms. There you go. We'll disagree on inserts and move right on to the news. (laughs) Sarah, what's going on?
3: What's going on? Okay, well, first off, we have to talk about Red Bull Formation, which went down last week in Virgin, Utah. The event was held at the 2015 Red Bull Rampage site, and this was the third time that the event has taken place. It was also the second time that you attended, Alicia. There were 12 athletes this time around compared to just six in 2019. So what else was different this year compared to the last two editions, Alicia?
2: Honestly, I think it's a completely different event this time around. Like The sport is in a very different place than it was in 2019 and in 2021 when they've held the event before. Like last year, if we back up a little bit and just look at what happened after the event with Women's Free Ride, it is crazy how far they went. Like Robin and Haz, the two alternate riders from last year, they went on to like really put themselves on the map. Robin went and threw the first six backflips ever by a woman in crankworks competition over in the Sweden style in Austria. And then like Haz has a Red Bull helmet now. Everyone's just progressing like crazy. You know, Casey Brown went home and put on Dark Horse, Hannah went and did hang time and all these women came all these women are progressing they came back here and like a year ago it felt like formation was really the forefront of the sport whereas now it feels like just a stepping stone to something much bigger and the sport's really in a place where it feels like these women are going to go to rampage pretty soon because they're riding actual rampage lines it is
0: bonkers i have a question alicia um i obviously wasn't there Why was it more of a jam format than a competition, like one rider at a time format like Rampage?
2: Yeah, so women's free ride is kind of starting from a lower place than men's free ride. Like there hasn't been a lot of progression in the past. And so in order to really kind of raise the bar for all these women, the founder, Katie Holden, essentially decided that it would make the most sense to have it be really collaborative and have these women supporting each other, and working together, and mentoring each other, rather than kind of being pitted against each other, and trying to maybe not hold each other down, but not necessarily lift each other up the way that they do when it's not competitive. So it seems like everyone's raising the bar for themselves, and for everyone around them, and like everyone's just so happy to see the others succeed. It's just such a collaborative space.
3: Yeah, and we are starting to see like Proving Grounds had like a women's uh, actually competitive format this year as well so I think it's kind of like as this stepping stone allows more progression and obviously it's working and the lines are getting gnarlier and gnarlier then eventually there'll be I think more competitive events
2: yeah I think maybe two or three years ago women's Ride wasn't really ready for a women's version of rampage and now it feels like it really is and so I don't think formation is meant to be the women's version of rampage like it shouldn't replace that competition but now there's room for that competition to exist alongside it
0: what is what is it like to ride down there alicia can you just shed some light on maybe like the pictures in the video this is it, it does not do it justice how gnarly no, this is
2: not at all you mean what's it like for me to ride down there or for hannah bergman to ride down there they're so having different <laughs> you experiences line, right? <laughs> <Maybe you>. but, <laughs> <laughs> um I just want to say Hannah and Casey's dropping. I was chatting with Katie about this. Like, this isn't just my opinion. It's a line that a lot of Rampage guys likely wouldn't want to ride. Like, it was mental. It was absolutely insane. It's what both of them said was the gnarliest thing they've ever done in their lives. Um, but anyway, back to your question it's loose, it's dusty, it's steep. These glyphs are high consequence. Like, especially the wind comes up, it can be kind of unpredictable. And there just isn't a lot of room for error. So even if you're riding things that, like, technically, sure, you're riding down a steep hill, but there's so many other variables that come into play. There are loose rocks, there's dust, there's wind, there's the fear factor, there's, like, your body just reacting to the exposure without you even processing anything. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's a couple... There's just a lot going on. A
3: couple gnarly crashes that I saw on social media, one from, like... Has where her front wheel just like oh my God. stops or slips yeah. and like she falls, but then she just like keeps on falling and you don't realize how far she's falling and her
2: bike yeah. like keeps... she just like
1: disappears, like gone. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That was like one of the most horrifying crashes I've seen in person. I was so glad to see her up again, but she was like the line she was on was pretty committing there is this triple drop section and her front wheel went in a hole and she flipped over and just tomahawked out of sight. And so and, like, her bike went really far, too. Like, we watched her tomahawk, we watched her bike tomahawk. Huh. It was pretty horrifying. It was massively relieving when she popped back into view, standing up.
3: And was that on her finals, or, like, the, the final run that she was doing? Or? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, she was going for top-to-bottom. It was the final day of riding. Um, she didn't end up doing a final run just because she did slam pretty hard. But it would have been nice to see that linked up into a final run, or a full top-to-bottom.
3: Mm-hmm. How many riders were able to do a full top to bottom run?
2: Ten. So everyone except for Haz and Via. Because mm-hmm. yeah, Via crashed
3: as well the day before, right?
2: Yeah, so Via crashed on the day before. She had previously on the first day of riding she put together almost everything in her line, which was this gnarly exposed ridge line with a huge hip. And then the second day of riding, she crashed on the hip. So didn't quite make it happen, but the riding she did in the meantime was pretty ridiculous, pretty impressive. Nice.
3: And which line was your favorite out of all of them?
2: Oh, that's hard to say. I mean, Cami's just went straight down the mountain like it was just the fall line, not a single turn, like so committing. Everyone else had at least some sort of catch berm somewhere on their line, and Cammy didn't make a single turn, like it was commitment from the top and just Like, really no place to slow down. She just, she dropped in and kept going straight down the hill. So that was pretty wild to watch. I loved Viya's line just because of, like, the amount of speed that she could carry through that and just how powerful the riding was on that ridge. Um, Like, that was just, I think it was Viya's style. I think she incorporated a lot of really cool elements. And I would have loved to see her put that together. So kind of like last year, maybe she'll come back and make an amazing winter edit. I bet we'll see that, and it'll be great. Um, Hannah, in case he's dropping, I have good things to say about everyone. (laughs) I could go on for all 12 riders, but I'll just mention Chelsea's Gnar drop. That's the last one. It's, I think, a drop that very few people on the planet would want to hit. It was super blind. There was landing on this tiny, narrow shelf, so almost no room for error. And straight into another drop, so it was a double drop. It was crazy she built it and kind of had a little bit of a freak out of like not knowing if she wanted to ever ride it and then she did it a bunch of times fall asleep so <laughs> that was pretty incredible to see that progression
1: yes that's cool yeah i think the you know watching from the sidelines like just like you've been saying the progression over the last three four or five years is ridiculous just like even just watching you know hannah's progression and all of like her friends that are kind of coming along for the ride with her it's it's crazy like mm-hmm. here in bellingham you have the big big jumps and so a lot of the women that went to formation were here just for like a little a little warm-up on these huge jumps and just watching the their riding levels like it's it's just so impressive it's really cool to see where it's going to go
2: i think it's really validating too that there is a need for something like formation i think a lot of people sort of believe that women weren't competing in rampage because they can't and seeing formation come along and seeing the level of this riding elevate like that kind of shows that like women can do it and there's totally room for that improvement and that progression.
3: Well, next up, let's talk about some World Cup racing. I don't know if you guys watched the racing in Nova Mesto. I guess you were at Formation, Alicia. Did did, Mike and Mike, did you watch any of the World Cup cross-country racing?
0: I uh, just missed it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I watched the we short track. I saw know. the short track though. Yeah.
3: And nice. I watched the yeah, highlights. We're for the talk about this. We all, <laughs> behind.
1: <laughs> yeah. Short um, track is easy okay. for me. I'm like,
3: yeah, <laughs> it's like on a Friday during work hours <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs>
1: and it's only 20, 20 yeah.
3: minutes each race.
1: <laughs> it's perfect.
3: <laughs> yeah. No, it's great. Yeah. The short track was really exciting to kick off the weekend. And then for once, I think the main cross country race, the men's race was actually just as exciting, if not even more exciting than the women's race. And the women's race was really good. Um, so Beck McConnell was able to form a 20 second gap in the first lap. And then she held on to it right until the end. But it was, you were like sitting on the edge of your seat the whole time watching because Loana LeConte and Jenny Risvids definitely gave her a run for her money. They got the gap down to 13 seconds at one point. So it was like, is she gonna win? Is she not gonna win? She ended up winning. That was her third World Cup win this year so she's actually the fifth woman in history to win those three opening rounds which I know Alicia he did an interview with her so but you know you're on team Beck <laughs> pretty how yeah, what an animal yeah pretty. it's so exciting to watch that happen yeah and just yeah and just like see how strong that lead group is right now and just i think the mental edge of having one one world cup and it's like okay i can do it again and then when you do it in Almstadt, the next race is only a week later so You've got the fitness, obviously, Um, very different courses, but we saw the same winner in the women's race as well as in the men's race. Tim, uh, Tim, who's Tim? (laughs) (laughs) Tom Pidcock won again uh, in the men's race as well in a sprint finish with poor Vlad Daskalou. He's been out sprinted a couple times, almost getting his first World Cup win again. I think he'll get it eventually by the end of the season. but the real story of the race was Nino Scherter. Incredible. That's why he's a legend. He was looking so strong, battling in the top five, and then he got a flat tire in the fourth of seven laps. So like pretty far into the race. So I was like, darn it, he's done for it. Like he might not even be the world cup overall leader after this race. Like he was back in 20th place a minute and 10 back. And then he battled back into the lead group and he finished third. It was amazing. I mean it was neat.
0: The flat tire gave him time to recover probably. No, so he, he rode
3: so hard. hard on his flat tire. Like <laughs> he was going way faster than like most of the guys with this like flat tire and he was really far from the tech zone too. So yeah. And then they yeah. changed his tire in like ten seconds and so we had to go like right away. It was it was pretty pretty amazing.
0: Wow. They don't call him the boss for no reason. That's for sure. Yeah. He is the boss. Yeah. So both
3: yeah. Nino and Beck McConnell are leaving Nova Mesto as, uh, as the World Cup overall leaders. Uh, and the next race is in a month for cross country. But we've got some downhill racing this weekend in Fort William. I actually had to like look it up and see who won the last time round because I think it was two months ago.
0: Lords. That's the kid. This gap between, the gap between races, like, I know there are reasons for it, like... There's no good know, reason, there needs to be more races. It, <laughs> it Honestly, it makes it hard to be a race fan when there's, like, a month or even two months between races. It's like, oh, yeah, there's, they're doing that thing over there, where if there was a race, like, every, maybe not every
1: weekend, but there needs to be more of these things. Yeah, at least, like, one a month, yeah. like, mm-hmm. two months in between is crazy. I don't, yeah, know. I
0: don't understand. But I'm glad it's back. Fort understand. William's always a good one. Yeah.
1: Anyways, t- tell us about Fort
0: Williams, Sarah.
3: Fort William. Well, it looks really wet um, and really rocky, and it's going to be exciting. I definitely saw a picture of um, a river going through the course uh, where the beeline is supposed to be. So everybody's going to just have to send the big gap jump over the river <laughs> unless they figure <laughs> out, you know, another way to make make the ride around. Um, but, yeah, Amory Piero and Kemi Blanche won the last World Cup, but that was a while ago. So, yeah, who knows who we'll see being fast in Fort William. Any predictions?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Chris Kovarik. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, Rarnier. I Rarnier. <laughs> I say Tebow. I don't know. <laughs> I think Tebow, De Prella, and... Is is our PB team going to be there?
3: Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, there we go. I'm going to go with uh, <laughs> one of those guys. <laughs> do you know who's on the PB team? <laughs> yeah, I do. Who? Uh, Tebow Lilly, Ben Cathro, and uh, two Fast Juniors that I can't remember. <laughs> wow. Jackson yeah. Connelly. That's pretty good, eh?
3: And,
2: and Amy Kenyon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there we go. You could just say Tebow's going to win, and that could either be <laughs> Tebow Lally or Tebow DiParello. Yeah, and there's Go probably a more. I bet there's a few more, like more Bows in the list.
0: <laughs> yeah, bow has
1: got this just one, everybody. Good, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: good mountain bike name. Yeah.
3: all, of, all of.
1: Is Rachel coming back? No, I I'm, did. Saw, Rachel kind she might
3: be. I think. Post in her oh. stories that she is decided not to. She's like, I just don't have enough strength. But I think she's watching the race. Uh, but yeah, I think she decided yeah. she's not yeah. strong enough yet because I think she's only nine months postpartum. So. She's you know, we'll give her a little more time yeah. until she's back on the race, on the World Cup yeah. race course. She's like, I can ride. Sarah it's just has like, the intel from watching Instagram. Yeah, exactly right. Instagram, guys. This is how I know all about Rachel Atherton's private life. Perfect.
0: <laughs> both, both G and Rachel are coming back. Can you imagine if they came back and just started winning World Cups? I mean, Rachel could probably start come back, start winning World Cups. I, I don't yeah. think that's crazy to think. I would love to see G come back and win some World Cups.
1: The last time I was that's at incredible. Fort William, I think was twenty twelve I was there for Pink Bike. And that's the one that G and Rachel won together. Like they both won. Oh, cool.
3: That
2: was, was a cool. long time
1: ago. Yeah, it was a long time so ago. So cool. Or 20, 2013. My dates might be up, but a long time ago either way.
3: Still almost a decade. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you need to be strong uh, enough to ride, but also crash, because <sighs> crashing is inevitable in downhill racing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Ouch.
3: Yeah. Um, In some non-event-related news this week, Matt Beer had a review of Hustle Bike Lab's Avery magnetic pedals. So you use the Avery pedals with a standard clipless shoe, but instead of bolting a cleat to the bottom of the sole, you've got a steel plate that takes its place. And then you've got rare earth magnets that are mounted to the pedal (laughs) spindle. Matt (laughs) said that the magnets actually do hold your feet in place when you're riding, but there isn't quite the same pulling force as clip pedals, and the ankle roll release is more awkward than regular clip pedals. He's kind of explaining it to me, like you actually have to like roll your foot to the side to get your pedal off, which isn't like when you have a regular clip, so you kind of just move your heel out. So that sounded kind of difficult to get used to. Um, but it sounded like he'd recommend them to beginner and intermediate riders. Does that sound about right from
0: perfect for cats yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. what you read right
3: in there
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah perfect for that
3: well, beer too yeah <laughs> yeah exactly
1: there's <laughs> <laughs> ideal i mean apparently they, like, i have heard from some people that they like them so there is a market like I, they're definitely not for me but they do work and they're not just a gimmick but um i don't know personally i would either want to pick it's kind of like a, one of those not quite the best of both worlds it's like kind of like being clipped in and kind of like not
0: cats many many years ago some companies sent us a set of magnetic pedals they sent me a set of magnetic pedals and i had planned to use them but i couldn't even use them for one ride like it felt too weird it felt Mm -hmm. too strange like they're not platforms but they're not clipless so I, i ended up i didn't use them enough to review but it didn't help that the pedals weighed like the pair of pedals was like 1600 grams and the cleats are like four pounds each (laughs) because
1: that's how these ones are too yeah yeah i think these will add about a pound of weight to your bike compared to a normal setup so they're not light like magnets but wow you you can pick up metal on the brick trail to your nail if you drop the bolt and you so he'll
3: can. pick up more weight as he go yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh bring bring back power straps everybody we don't need magnets we need power straps i used to want those so bad i'm lucky i never got them but i thought i wanted them
0: <laughs> with the neon green on them uh-huh. it the looked really so good strap. it made so
1: much sense in my brain i was like i understand how this will work you just twist and then yeah yeah but no no (laughs) (laughs) not so much yeah for people that aren't old like us you should google power straps and learn about them they're funny i think they still exist for fixie riders in the city yeah that sounds that sounds like the perfect place for them yeah
0: all right let's move on to our chat about social media and i think it's probably easy and expected for us to crap on social media and spend the entire time talking about why it's terrible why we shouldn't be using it and so on and so forth but In a rare move for me, I want us to start off by being positive and talking about the upsides of social media, the good it can do, maybe some writers or brands who are using it well, and maybe why it's not so bad at all. Alicia, when we started this podcast, I asked you about influencing and if you had ever been influenced, and you you brought up a really good point. You said you feel that you're influenced in a good way by social media. Could you talk a little bit more about that and... and how you've, how you've done that and how it works.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say, like as a blanket thing, I'm influenced in a good way, but I think social media is something, it's not inherently good or bad in my opinion. Like you can use it however you want to. It's just like any other tool. And so, yeah, I think it's really cool how you can be so intentional about choosing both what you put about yourself out there and then also what you choose to put in your feed, like what you want to see. And with athletes, like now social media is such a big part of being a professional athlete. So all riders essentially are required to post on social media about their racing, about their sponsors. And probably for the first time in like professional sports history, they don't have to wait for someone to take a picture of them, for someone to write an article about them or decide to interview them. Like they can just put that out there because they choose to. And I think that's pretty great. And similarly, like, you can choose, you follow the accounts that you want to see, you can follow people doing cool mountain stuff, you can follow dogs, you can follow your buddies, you can follow trail builders, you can follow, I don't know, influencers selling diet pills. (laughs) It's kind of, you know...
1: Tea. Diet tea. I want, I want the diet tea. Therapy
2: accounts, therapy memes. Those are. That's a good <laughs> yeah. corner of Instagram.
1: Instagram has been telling um, me I should take ketamine lately. Like I keep getting these targeted ads. Like, dude. have you tried ketamine? I was like, I, what? Let's
2: talk about that off the air sometime. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 so there are definitely athletes that are using social media well, and those that we feel that maybe aren't using social media well. What? What does a social media account look like that's, in your opinion, Alicia, is being used like an athlete account that's being used correctly that maybe you can get something from in a positive way? What does that look like? I mean,
2: honestly, my favorite thing to see from athletes is just personal details about their racing and about their training and kind of a lot of the behind the scenes, like the less shiny parts of racing, a lot about the mental side of like what was going through your head when this happened in the race. Those are the things that I'm curious about. So, yeah, overall, I guess I like to see... Athletes just kind of showing what they're actually up to. And really, anyone, if anyone's just being themselves online and letting the world see a little bit into what's going on in their head, I think that's cool.
0: Yeah, I I would agree with that too. I think the athlete accounts that are very obviously run by the athlete themselves, which is definitely not always the case, even with mountain bikers. Um, And especially once you get into like the real big time sports where there's a lot more money. But some of these accounts you go to and like, the person is talking about how they had, like, a terrible race and so on and so forth, and this happened. And it's not whining or excuses, but it's insight that you might not see in a finish line interview or, or, or something like that, which I think is important. It's a whole lot better than – there are some accounts out there that, like, even – like you're an athlete and I know it's a marketing tool, but like every fucking photo you post, like your hair is beautiful and your complexion is beautiful. And you're like standing in front of like a brand new Porsche and like, you, you know, this beautiful sunset in Hawaii, <laughs> like get a life. This is not real. You know, it kills me. I don't know. But we're going to keep it positive for a while still. So we're going to go to Casimir. <laughs> Kaz, you use social media. Why, why do you like social media? Uh, why do you have an account what do you post on you don't strike me as a guy who would be overly active on social media um, so why do you I have think an it's account? like
1: for me yeah not like i'm on there obviously and just be from working at pink bike like i have a, a medium amount of followers or whatever but um, i kind of like it me, Just to, i just want to point that out it's true yeah um it's not a competition for me it's not a competition like i don't need no to it's buy- not a competition for like, me either but if it was yeah. i would win it that's ahead. true yeah that's fine you can win i don't care <laughs> yeah definitely don't want my any part of this competition <laughs> but for me i think it is a nice way to be able to like see what your friends are up to and um and like people that you just kind of casually know i kind of like it more as that and i almost wish there was a way that was like slightly less social media like i just want to be able to see like just what my friends are doing i know i could only just follow my friends but then that would be more boring I haven't invented this new thing yet, but it's going to be great. We'll figure it out. But yeah, for me, it is just a way to kind of see almost like a news ish source. I'd say more entertainment, but like, yeah, who's riding what, like, what are they doing? Who's doing some crazy jump or, a, you know, like I, we were talking before we started recording, but like, I like following cliff jumper people, the like the guys and girls, they're just doing like a thousand flips into like off hundred foot cliffs, no oh, water. Yeah. Like I can't do that. So I just like to watch that or like the parkour people or the building climbers and just all those kind of like kind of crazy human achievements. So I like it for that. Um, Yeah, it's definitely just purely like mostly entertainment. Sometimes I can use it to find trails. Um, People are really bad these days about oversharing. So if I see a fresh trail and somebody posts it up, I could just go find it really quickly usually. So um, it's that. And I think that's also the downside where people get so excited or (laughs) or they just don't think they kind of want people like they want the accolades. So they like post up clips and things. And all of a sudden, you know, everyone's at that trail or, you know, there's downsides to that. But um, yeah, for me, it's mostly entertainment and like a, and, you know, mountain bike related news. Basically,
0: how much time would you say you spend on it a day? Let's let's be honest here.
1: Cass. I have to make limits because it's too addictive and it triggers the yeah. dopamine thing. And it's evil, it, and there there are like real downsides we could probably get into later. <laughs> so yeah, I said we'll, my, we'll get I to that. A <laughs> timer
0: uh, isn't that crazy though? Because like I know you, I think pretty damn well, and you're somebody who I think you have a lot of discipline and you have the ability to say like, no, I'm not going to do that. Like I picture you being able to just like put your phone down and not look at it. But I know for me, that's not the case. So I have to delete Instagram, you know, multiple times a week. But do you ever, do you struggle with that, Kaz?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. And it's kind of funny because when I first started at Pinkbike, so like 10 years ago now, I remember when like some of the early meetings, I didn't have a smartphone then. So like I would go and be like you and some other people, you all were like staring at your phones, just like looking down. I was like, oh, this is really weird. Like this world is strange. I don't know about it. And now that's like, entire world is like that like that was just like a precursor to like wow like i mean i think the world's kind of messed up in that regard like if you go on a like mass transit or do any kind of like you know go to the airport or whatever like nobody's looking up it's so weird and i don't like that part about it but again we're kind of skipping ahead to the negative part but yeah for me yeah i totally struggle with needing to set limits and like sometimes i just get pissed and throw my phone and hope that it breaks like for real because it's so dumb like i just (laughs) realized um but i make a conscious effort to like like before I go to bed, it's not anywhere near my bedroom. It's like far away and I shut it down. And like, I try to read more as many books as I can these days. Cause like I've always liked reading, but now I'm just like, I need to just stare at pages and I don't read on like an electronic thing. It's on like paper. Cause yeah, I don't know the world, that part of it is bad. And I can't imagine being a kid. Like if you were 12 years old or 10 years old or whatever, and just exposed to that amount of like stuff and whatever you have access to, it's like, it's not good for your brain. No dude.
0: So, a couple days ago I went to this Stargazer space exhibit thing in, in the city and they had these photos of newspaper clippings of the like the Moonlander and all that crap on the wall. And they had they had this display thing where you would read the little plaque and it literally said in the days before social media, people got their news via newspapers that were like like it was like explaining <laughs> oh, to people no. <laughs> i have never uh, felt so old in my uh, life
1: <laughs> yeah like i was a paper boy so i'm not gonna have to tell people like well you see i used to have to wake up in the morning and go door to door paper
3: boy of a year just yeah saying. that's right
1: <laughs> best paper boy in connecticut but yeah like that seems so that sounds so old-timey now like oh yeah, yeah i i felt like i was 100 years old yeah which is about right but yeah.
0: sarah you like social media. You post things on social media. Um, have you ever had to block anybody, Sarah?
3: Well, let's see. I block a lot of bots on the pink bike Instagram.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have lots of pictures they'd like you to look at. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> on my personal Instagram, I don't think I've ever had to block anybody, although I do like have the messages kind of turned off so that I only get messages from people I follow versus like, getting messages from everybody. So sometimes I'll go through those messages, but I don't actually get notifications when people who I don't know send me a message. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of bots out there and there can be mean people on social media, but luckily they haven't found me yet. So.
1: <laughs> You're too <laughs> nice. If anyone's mean to you, let us they know, we'll take care of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
3: I'll fuck them up, you. yeah. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go ban them from, from Instagram. Do-
0: Do you guys have a favorite social media platform that you use and i mean i assume you're gonna say instagram but do you guys still use facebook or or anything else what about strava
1: do you guys use strava yeah i use strava Strava. i'd say that's probably my favorite maybe like all i i don't have facebook anymore i mean obviously instagram is connected to the same thing but i don't have a facebook account and i just use instagram but for strava i like strava because then it's actually showing people's accomplishments i do think that can also become unhealthy too because you realize like oh, this guy did like 10,000 vert. Shit, I should be doing 10,000 vert, which isn't healthy. Um, But it's crazy to see like, like we were talking about Tom Pidcock before. If you follow Tom Pidcock on Strava, it'll just blow your mind. Like the dude, the miles he's putting in between races don't make sense to me. Like it's a whole, obviously a whole nother level, but it's like, a level above what I even expected. So
3: yeah, didn't um, he do 190 kilometers a day after the Albstaff
1: race recovery ride. He
3: rode to Nova Misto,
2: didn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then yeah. the next day he did another That's like
1: 5,000 vert. Like if you look, it doesn't, it's so crazy. So I like that stuff. I like seeing when people do big, goofy rides. So I do use it for that. Um But I guess as social media, I don't really like course, like I don't talk back and forth that much with people have, like do big rides, but yeah. I give
3: them kudos. Kudos.
0: Yeah, like right, <laughs> exactly. Kind of how
3: I try to use Instagram. <laughs> kudos. Yeah i mean heart
0: (laughs) yeah i i have people messaging me on instagram like it's a messenger like it's a text message all the time Mm -hmm. like i i I basically refuse i won't open any messages on instagram anymore but like people use social media like it's a text thing instead of just like i mean not that i want anybody to call me i don't want to talk on the telephone but like text me or something you know instead of sending me a message on on social media or or maybe i'll get your message if you send it to me on strava that's for sure
1: yeah yeah i I get i go both ways like it's kind of not because people obviously realize that you're on instagram a lot so they just send you a message then they're hoping you see it so like if friends do that to me it's usually just to share something but then obviously there's lots of other people that want to know if they should buy like a bronson or a trek slash or whatever and i answer i do answer some of those but not that many because there's so many of them so if i haven't answered them and you sent me one sorry but um If you dig a response, you're lucky because sometimes I just like feel bad that people took the time to like, to write. And if I ignore them, but obviously I would spend too much of my day responding if I did that all day long. But every once in a while, I do answer some. You never answer my messages on Instagram. You didn't send me any. I'll answer you. i text you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Before we talk about the stuff that we don't like about social media, I also want to talk about the meme pages that are incredible. Like, can we can we call out Chain Slap News and Pinkish Bike and and those ones? And there's a whole bunch more that are pretty funny and they make fun of us when we when we deserve it. But there's all sorts of other hilarious ones out there. And I feel like that's a good use of social media to make fun of people in a good way.
1: Yeah, there's a downside to those ones, too. But yeah, I think there are some funny ones I do like where they're kind of like the tongue in cheek, like humorous. But then sometimes they get like too pointed or too aggressive or like like really making fun kind of, of yeah. yeah like real gatekeeper there was one here that somebody in bellingham was making that they ended up shutting it down which is good because was like so negative and gatekeeping that it was just not it just wasn't pleasant for anybody really i was like why are you being so mean to people that are new to the sport so i think there's both sides but yeah like chain slap news and that stuff like goofy things like that they're great like it's 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 just comedy would you say that the uh what about Jerry slams? Do you follow that one? Cass, is that one mean or is that, I don't like, no, I don't mind that stuff. I follow maybe kook of the day or something. I don't yeah. know. One of those ones I do, but I, I have a real tough time watching people crash in Same. any sport yeah. or anything. Like, so definitely not like a, um, I don't follow that stuff. I just don't, I just don't like seeing people get hurt. So yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. I think okay. Jerry of the day, maybe it's Jerry of the day that I follow. I don't know. Anyways, those exist. And I do <laughs> know that people like them, but
0: yeah. So we mentioned Strava there, and we were talking about Instagram and all that stuff. And it it also, a lot of that comes down to, I mean, what do we do when we're looking at it? We're, we're comparing ourselves to the stuff that we see, of course, and if you're not mindful about it, I feel like that can get, that can be a huge downer for a lot of people, for sure. Um, I'm sure you guys know that, but I think, I don't know about you, but I still subconsciously, I find myself looking at people, whether it's on Strava or Instagram, doing these rides and doing super gnarly stuff and without even realizing it i feel like i can end up feeling bombed i could i feel down that i'm not out there like sending it off some 100 foot cliff jump on my skis or or i don't know swimming in the ocean in winter or something like that like anyways kaz do you ever when you look at that stuff do you ever feel like you you feel pressure to get out and be more of a i don't know be more active
1: yeah, like I do recognize that pressure. And like, I think luckily I live in a really good place and I kind of have access to some things that would be like people's dreams. Um, but it is, yeah, it's there. And, and obviously like you have to realize that social media, no one's putting up their bad stuff. And every once in a while, there will be somebody that be like, oh, social media is only good stuff. Today I'm posting the bad stuff. And instantly like, no, I don't care. Like, <laughs> I don't want somebody, <laughs> you know, like it's, so I, I think it's, uh, yeah, you just have to realize that it's all curated no matter what. So you're just seeing somebody's happy beach vacation pictures you're not seeing the jet lag or like see them get mugged or whatever so it's um yeah but it it definitely takes like your brain isn't totally wired to recognize that all the time i don't think so yeah there's definitely your um yeah that's like that's one of the negatives i think you just can think you can like it can lower your self-worth because you think like i'm not good enough when i have a regular life where it's like no like you should just have a regular life that's the whole goal just like be content (laughs) with where you're at so
0: yeah. Yeah. I feel like I gotta, I, I live a pretty interesting life sometimes and I still like, I go on social media and I'm just like, look at all these people out there doing crazy shit, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, it just, it's almost like it just kind of becomes like a competition to like, cause you see somebody post something or, you know, like Alicia posts up a sweet paragliding thing. I'm like, Oh, I gotta go do something cool too. And then it kind of spirals. So I think that's where it comes from, even though part of it is cool. Like I want to see Alicia's paragliding cause that's awesome. And then So I think you just have to appreciate it as like what it is rather than trying to become that. It's like a hard, can be a hard balance.
0: Yeah. Alicia, we spoke about formation earlier in the podcast and you talked a bit about influencers there. Can you, can you speak to that more? What was that like?
2: Yeah. So I think that's a really, it's a really interesting issue. I think like influencer marketing is kind of here to stay and there's not much we can do about that for better or for worse. And it's so effective, like brands are figuring it out. Brands are figuring out that to reach a wide audience, like leaning into the influencer thing is like pretty good, not necessarily good, but effective. Um, but Red Bull made some really interesting choices around formation that I personally found really frustrating. I know a lot of the writers and a lot of the other media present also found really frustrating. So I'm kind of trying to figure out where we go from here. Basically, Red Bull brought in a bunch of influencers. They had what they called a content creator oasis. Oh. And while some of the influencers are actual mountain bikers, I don't want to harp on them. They ride bikes. They knew who the riders were. They it's a low bar, but they like understood what formation is and the magnitude of what was happening there. A lot of them didn't. And I found that incredibly frustrating because it really shifted the event from something that had the riders' best interests at heart and the sport's best interests Um, really into kind of a spectacle and a show for people to come in and watch and yeah it was just bizarre to be there in that like we watched via crash via had a really gnarly crash high speed big air she disappeared out of view immediately after and the whole event kind of went quiet and solemn and then from right behind me like the influencer i was calling it influencer island um the little cluster kind of just went back to cackling about ranking their favorite ice cream flavors and ranking their favorite animals and like that was the moment I think that I kind of lost it I was like fuck you guys like we just watched one of the best riders in our sport go down in a way that could potentially change or end her career we don't know if she's okay we don't know anything about what happened um and you don't give it the respect that it deserves and so like for me that was just pretty hard Like it's, I think I took the event really seriously and for me it was pretty heavy to watch a lot of what was happening and I don't think that was shared among people who didn't really know anything about the sport, people who don't ride bikes and people who didn't know what was going on. Mm -hmm. And like the flip side of that, like I think a lot of us have talked about how to grow the sport we need non-endemic investment and interest from outside of the mountain bike world and outside of mountain bike media It just seems like there are better ways to go about creating that.
0: Yeah. Just to play devil's advocate, I mean, I could almost guarantee that Red Bull, like they probably got more eyes on those social media posts by those non-endemic influencers than, I'm just guessing, but then all the other mountain bike media combined. You know, that's probably not out of line. So from Red Bull's perspective... I mean they're exposing the sport to more people. Uh, they I mean it's marketing. It's marketing, isn't it? Let's not let's not beat around the bush. It's all marketing. It makes sense from from their perspective, doesn't it?
2: Kind of. I think that like I don't necessarily define success of an event by how many eyes are on it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I also think it was a really strange choice to do this at the women's event rather than say at Rampage or an event where it wouldn't be seen as much as like trivializing it.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah and i think i think some of it probably comes to like for those people they're probably so desensitized to what's actually happening because they've been they've sucked into the social media world they're probably watching slam of the day or jerry of the day thousands and thousands of times so they see people get crashed or whatever and like oh that happens i saw that on instagram that's cool but they don't realize like it's real mm-hmm. and what's happening like and not being able to know like people just think when you see all your it just kind of like reinforces you see all these huge crashes people just get up and like it doesn't you know people don't think about like death or like serious injury and even when they're there in real life they're still just staring at their phones and things so it's like a whole it's a weird disconnect i can see how that could happen where they don't realize like the magnitude of what's going on or even like how hard and gnarly those lines are because they've seen them before and like oh yeah it's fine it's like the people that watch
0: you know when mm-hmm. you're at home
1: and you watch a rampage helmet cam and there's people in the comments always like oh i could ride that and you're like yeah there's no I way got that. Like, it's so so <laughs> crazy gotta, but you yeah. just don't know until you're there and even when you're there especially if you're just like tweeting or tick or whatever, you're not Ricky recognizing what's happening. So I think that's one of the definitely downsides of social media desensitization to actual risk.
2: Yeah, I think like, I mean, I'm biased because I was coming from just a completely different perspective than some people at the event where like some people, it was just like a fun show. And I, I think I've been thinking a lot about risk lately. And just like, the intensity of a lot of what's happening has been like really sinking in for me. And just the intensity of like, where we are in the sport, the seriousness of like, this is such a huge turning point for mountain biking, like women's free ride has, it's seeing more change than it ever has. And to me, that's really, really big. And like, honestly, like every single rider made me cry. Like it was insane. It was mind blowing. And so I was just experiencing it in a really different way than a lot of people. Um, well, then like people who aren't deeply invested in the sport And so I think that's why that choice on Red Bull's part really bothered me so much. Like, I usually don't side with people who accuse companies or whatever of selling out just because I think oftentimes it's a great business choice, whatever, like selling out is sometimes exactly what a brand or whatever needs. But in this case, I think Red Bull really cheapened the event by trading kind of caring about mountain biking for views and money.
3: Yeah, because it's interesting you used the word like spectacle like you don't want red bull Rampage a uh, red bull formation to be a spectacle but if i think about it it almost feels like red bull rampage is kind of a spectacle like people don't see the build up like you were there all week so you see the build up and you see mm-hmm. like how high consequence and you see like the first hits and like how they don't nail it the first time and like you know how nervous all these riders are and how you know the building that goes into it and just like finding those lines But then the actual broadcast of Red Bull Rampage, there's like hundreds of thousands of people that watch it. And it is kind Mm -hmm. of a spectacle, kind of seems like an appropriate word for it, even though the consequences are obviously super high. So it's kind of like if we want more women's events but there is higher stakes. And it's like, how do you balance that? Like, We do want more eyeballs on women's sport. Like, That's how you grow the sport is you get more eyeballs on on the sport. Um, So it's kind of a, a difficult balancing act there.
2: Yeah. I think just the interesting thing that sort of gets forgotten is that in a lot of cases, we're watching the most significant moments of these people's lives. And turning that into just something for views, I think is really irreverent to how much work these writers have put in and the fact that this is like the pinnacle of their careers. This is very likely, yeah, like the highlight of their life so far. And so just like, of course we should try to broadcast it. Of course we should try to grow the sport and have people interested in it. We just have to have some reverence for like the fact that these are real people living very real lives. And like the influencer thing kind of shifts the narrative away from like having the writers at the center of it to having the YouTuber or whatever at the center of the story.
0: I also think it's kind of strange for us. I mean, I know that we work online, but if we go farther back to when there was sort of that shift from where print media was king to online media, I think now we're seeing social media, well, over the last bunch of years, we've seen social media become way more important than it was previously and I I would I would have to admit that it probably irks us like now Kaz I mean at at one point we were you know we were at the pointy end of the spear I feel like but I think that social media has in some ways replaced some of what we do Uh, it's become more instant it's become quicker because people want that and I mean that's foreign to us in a way that the internet and and Websites might have been kind of foreign to magazine people previously.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think TikTok, the number one website in the world currently, like that's the number one most traffic website. It really? I think because pretty recently oh it was God. yeah, which is crazy. Like I don't even use TikTok because oh. my brain can't handle it. But like <laughs> that's how people are communicating and sharing things, and it's it's where it's going. But it's definitely so different. Where yeah, like you were saying, Levy, and then when you know, like sites like pink bike were the next step after magazines, because magazines you had to wait and wait and then you get in like, Oh, cool. A race that happened six months ago, pink bike comes along, tells you stuff that happened a few hours ago, but now you can actually get like live feeds from a race. That's instant. It can't get more instant than that. So and then, yeah, that's kind of where it's going.
3: And I think it's interesting. Like it's like bite-sized information, like people's attention span is so short and like, you know, you have a feature length film or like a long video. People are like, I don't have time to watch that. You know, I want the 10 second reel or the 15 second TikTok video. And so there's, I think there's still appetite for reading longer form articles and watching longer videos, but you definitely see a lot of like, just like, did you see that quick video? And it's kind of interesting that there's just like so little content, really, but there's just so many really. Short bits of content, so it's like very fragmented what you're actually seeing every day. And going back to what we were talking about earlier, I think Kaz was mentioning something about how he wished that there was a way to like have a social media for the public and like kind of marketing yourself and you know showing the bike side of yourself and then having one for a smaller audience. And like, I often have. You know, my parents' friends who are like, I love seeing what you're doing on social media. Like, if, you know, they're back in Quebec or somewhere, you know, else in the world and I don't see them that often. And I just love it when they're like, oh, I saw your video. Like, that's, you know, it's like kind of heartwarming. I'm like, oh, thanks. Like, so I kind of like almost make my content for them. But then I'm like, oh, there's like a whole bunch of other people that I don't know that are also following me that are expecting to see mountain bike content. And I think the way a lot of professional riders manage that is, you know, you're kind of only allowed to have so much outside of your persona on social media. And so they'll have their professional account that's all mountain biking, and then they'll have another account that's, you know, a much smaller following, and it's just their friends and family, and they'll, you know, share dogs and knitting and, you know, silly things or, you know, stuff that they don't necessarily want all of the world to see. So it's kind of like a way to manage that. Privacy, which is, I think, a big issue of social media is some people are really comfortable with having their entire lives out there and some people just like aren't that comfortable.
0: Would you guys say that athletes pretty much have to have a social media presence these days? I think so. I would
2: say pretty much. Yes. Um, Sarah, when you say dogs and knitting, I just want to shout out. I think ALN does a really great job of balancing the personal with like the professional She's the writer that really comes to mind, Andrea Lanteo Nadeau, For those wondering who A. Although I feel like EWS she kind of has like a love
3: hate relationship, yeah. with with social media that she kind of shares on social She's media. She's transparent well. like, about it,
2: which I love. Exactly. And like, shows her yeah. personality. She's clearly doing it for her, but also acknowledges that, like, part of being a professional athlete is using social media sometimes when you don't want to. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think of people doing it right and balancing all those competing needs. I think she kind of nails it.
3: Yeah, I do enjoy following her on <laughs> on social media cuz yeah, you see a little bit more than just the the bike the bike side of her, you know, there's a bit more to it or even like, you know, I think we were talking about Rachel Atherton earlier, like she also does a really good job of, you know, sharing more than just the bike side of her or um yeah, some athletes just share share a lot, which is, you know, really nice for the fans, but you know, maybe yeah, it's just kind of a nebulous line between you know what they're comfortable with and what they're not comfortable with sharing.
0: Do you guys mind if I sound crazy for a minute? You always sound no, okay. Yeah, <laughs> when <do> are <laughs> I not <sound> crazy? No.
3: <laughs> when have you minded that you I, sound crazy?
0: <laughs> that's true. I was just trying to be polite. I, I'm here for I it. Like, Bring it on. Yeah, this uh, social media—it's made to divide us. You know, I feel like it's. It's dividing us more than ever before, and you can choose whatever topic you want, but it's just so easy to go online and be disagreeable with somebody and post your opinion, which may or may not be a a good thing or a bad thing, not the opinion itself, but the fact that you could post it, you should be able to post your opinion, whatever it is. But I don't feel like we've ever been more divided now, or maybe it's just that we we could actually see that division more online whereas before you couldn't argue with like hugo from france about something or other because you never you never talked to hugo but nowadays we're just all staring at our phones being angry about some shit and it's designed to be that way it's designed to keep you staring at your phone instead of looking up at the sky cast for your <laughs> yeah. phones no, i think it's really yeah. interesting not like the birds not i, not, I don't like i as <laughs> you.
1: i know
3: you're not <laughs> <laughs> we didn't talk about like the That's algorithms at all that like actually control yeah what you see and it's like what you engage with and also what other people are engaging with that you actually end up seeing. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, if you don't like somebody's pictures regularly or you don't comment on them, then you don't see them in your feed anymore. And they just kind of, you might be following them, but they've kind of disappeared for all intents and purposes, which is kind of weird, I guess. It's like they don't exist, but they, they are posting and you just don't see it.
2: Yeah, it is one of those things where like the interests of the users are really different from the interests of the companies. And like we can kind of forget that sometimes where, I mean, like notification things are read for a reason because it gets you hooked. It gets you to click more. It is designed to keep us there in a way that is really bad for us. And like we just kind of, I think, forget about that.
0: Yeah. Just Like, like like a lot of the things we eat, like this is all on purpose, you know? And we just like we just open our phones and look at it and start scrolling this never-ending
1: feed. Anyways. Now I'm getting it. Well, yeah, I keep phone.
3: my phone in black and white usually.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, I mean, the data, like the data mining and harvesting and the selling of data that they're gathering, is it's just a whole very crazy thing. And a lot of people that are like like higher up in tech don't have social media accounts for a reason because it is just, they're just using your data to make more money. Like big companies, it's just a—it's a whole other side that we didn't really talk on but that's like the real downside is just the they're selling your personal information and making money off it so even though people think people think we do that with the pink bike poles but this is a whole another level <laughs> <laughs> if you answer your oh real size God. question yeah that's not anything but if you're like that's on, kind of cash just goes oh you know, huh, that's click,
3: cool i guess
1: yeah <laughs> yeah exactly but it's then kind of like- amazing
2: <laughs> what people like find to decide as a conspiracy theory on pink bike like yeah exactly the, the polls are, are
1: not a conspiracy theory but <laughs> as in, but like the, the amount of data that companies are gathering from your phone every minute of every day like they know how where you're walking they know who you're sitting next to all that stuff it's pretty crazy it's crazy that's insane yeah. when you think about it and you could easily say like oh i have nothing to
0: hide but that's not the point <laughs> yeah no. the point is it's your life it's private you shouldn't yeah. be like the, the the internet in the world shouldn't have this information
1: yeah, and that's a crazy thing. There's plenty of, you can, I mean, that's something that. It's not even a conspiracy theory. If you just dig into it, it's public knowledge. And we all, like Alicia was saying, we all kind of just accepted it. But mm-hmm. another point while I'm poking at the pinkers a little bit, there's always, I'm excited for this podcast to come out and for the people in the comments. Because if you listen to this so far, this is a little bonus. But if you're in the comments commenting about how you don't have social media and how you're so cool that you don't have social media, Pink Bike Social Media. So you're, yeah. You're, and uh, also Reddit. So I think it's a good nothing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, <laughs> people think Reddit's not social media. Pink Bike's
3: not social media. It's like, it is all social. Media. Mm-hmm you're engaging with people on the
2: internet
1: Mm. especially if you're in the
2: comment section
1: right exactly so that's always funny and and yeah like i mean more power to anyone that has no social media presence and you're doing your own thing that's great there's obviously no need to have social media it's just a a privilege and also a detriment to life all right should we end it there guys i feel like we talked enough shit yeah yeah
2: detriment to life yeah i gotta go post my
0: ride on social media i'm (laughs) working my tiktok dance (laughs) (laughs) okay that is enough for today's show let us know what social media platform you prefer to use how often you use it uh maybe you have a favorite account a meme account you want to share with us uh, especially if it's a funny animal one We've, we've talked super serious here but like send us your funny husky accounts and your bird accounts and your cat accounts and Casimir has a turtle. I'm sure there's some turtle Instagram accounts that are absolutely hilarious. So I've put got a those in the comments. Account. There you put go. It. Knitting yeah. too. I'll put it in. And my if you thing. like this podcast, remember to share it on your social media and tag all of us in it <laughs> so we can organically grow our social media presence or whatever. <laughs> Alright, everybody. We'll see you next week. <laughs>